A lot to discuss on this week's AC pod, the Under-19s World Cup, the Challenger Cup in Thailand, ACC expansion, and one of our very own set to play international cricket. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Enjoy this week's AC pod. Welcome again to another edition of the Emerging Cricket Podcast this week. The full complement once again, ready to go and discuss everything in the Emerging game. Daniel Bezuki alongside Nick Skinner and Tim Cutler. Let's first go to Nick, uh, once again been travelling between Denmark and Iceland in a detour or two along the way. How are you? I'm alright. I um. Yeah, I got in at 3 o'clock in the morning from when we're recording tonight, so I'm still pretty fresh from the the, <laughs> the ordeal uh, of a 15-hour delay. Going from, well, so from Denmark, moving back to Iceland, I, I went to visit a friend in Slovakia, but uh, because uh, Vienna Airport is right next to Bratislava, I, I decided to fly through there, and um, it was fine on the way in, but the uh, flight back to Iceland was delayed yeah, as I said, by 15 hours. So that was very unpleasant getting into the airport at 3.30 or, or 4 o'clock in the morning uh, for a 6.30 flight and then finding out that I had to wait until 9.30 in the evening. But luckily I was able to leave the airport and, and just basically uh, did a, a very tired uh, day trip around Vienna. Saw some, some nice old buildings and some museum and uh, got, got a bit of a, an experience there. So it wasn't, wasn't the worst thing, but uh, yeah, I would have preferred to be home 15 hours earlier, that's for sure. It's not the worst airport ordeal you've had, surely. I seem to remember a time going back four or five years ago uh, in Jeddah of all places. Yes, hopefully uh, the new airport in Jeddah is finished because uh, the reason the one uh, that I stayed at a few years ago was so bad was apparently because they're building a fancy new one and they, they couldn't be bothered maintaining the old one. But yeah, so hopefully that new one's up and running or if not, I can certainly recommend that you avoid Jeddah Airport. Moving ahead and looking to our man in the Pacific region, Tim Cutler, the cat is out of the bag and we'll talk about it in a few moments' time. I think a lot of people who follow Emerging Cricket will understand what we're alluding to. But first, Tim, uh, how's things in uh, Port Vila? You're rocking your yellow Vanuatu cricket shirt, I'm sure ahead of another big day of uh, some preparation on multiple fronts and fighting some different battles but uh, how are you today well, i can't walk because this old man's back in the gym and his legs have stopped working after legs day so i can't can't miss legs day of course but uh very very busy lots of balls in the air trying to get things ready for a malaysia tour changing shifting sands with regards to our preparation which has now changed from queensland to sydney that might excite those of you in in Sydney, yes, I can see your eyes, I know. See, finding out some details about scheduling for the rest of the year has probably had me add things to my um, death list of current things coming out of uh, certain global bodies. So um, never a dull moment. See, normally this time of year we're probably, for, as a country, sort of just easing in post-school holidays and people are coming back from islands after taking their, their leave, etc., etc. But it's been a busy, busy time here, of course, with the women's squad having returned from New Zealand and now the men heading off in exactly two weeks as we um, record here on, on Friday on their way to Malaysia for such an important tour. So that's keeping me busy. My, uh, my days are quite long at the moment trying to fit everything in. Yeah, let, we might as well get stuck into it while we're talking about it but yeah why were you in the gym tim <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's it sort of introduce it for everyone so anyone has missed a press release from vanuatu cricket in the past week there was uh a squad announcement for the challenge league playoff which is in malaysia as tim pointed out beginning i believe on the 22nd of february if my dates are right and uh, there was a man there who's been selected after becoming eligible to play for Vanuatu, um, North Afate's very own left-arm orthodox spinner in Tim Cutler. So uh, a vested interest again for everyone on an emerging cricket uh, standpoint, or from an emerging cricket standpoint, I should say. 
I'm not sure how many people can go back and remember Tim's past as a player, but uh, left arm orthodox spinner uh, in first grade quite a bit in Sydney for Easts. Big, tall, menacing, probably in the physique more of a fast bowler and and more of a, well, he is more of a Suleiman Ben-like left arm orthodox spinner. I've heard uh, on the cricket field from a couple of sources that uh, he can be quite fiery in nature, so looking forward (laughs) to seeing that. But Tim Cutler, after also playing a fair bit in, in Hong Kong while you were there, you've been in Vanuatu to the point now where you qualify and you've made the squad. How are you feeling about it all? Once again, just another ball to juggle in, in your life in, in cricket in Vanuatu. But back on the field again and ready to go, we saw you in um, some Pacific tournaments and, and things like that where you could sort of play in and flourish and take wickets, which was good to see as well. Did see a few you know good fist pumps and celebrations as well. So looking forward to seeing that in Malaysia. But uh, yeah, just another uh, sort of feather in the cap in Vanuatu cricket and another ball to juggle. Indeed. Um I'd be interested to hear about who you spoke to about my on-field antics. I can say that I've definitely mellowed in my golden years. And of course, spinners, we all get better. Just... uh just ask us, you know, Greg Matthews was still playing for New South Wales. We got selected in his 40s again. So I just see this as a as another finger spinner who gets better with age like a fine wine. But uh, yeah, I was a quite fiery young spinner, which I sort of think back and was really pointless in the end because um, you can let the ball do the talking. But uh, yes, um, very excited and honoured to be selected. Probably goes without saying, but I did uh, exclude myself from the majority of selection conversations about the squad, only kind of offering things about certain people. But uh, it wasn't me that uh, decided that. Yeah, such an important tournament. And it's great that we can pick from probably the, the strongest group of available players in a long time. And that's on the back of the I Comply partnership. We'll have two players pulling them straight out of Queensland um, for that preparation and then on to, to Malaysia being uh, Nala Nipico and Clement Tommy, who are both in amazing form, who are just scoring bundles of runs in Queensland. And four have recently returned, being Patrick and Andrew, both ex-captains, and then Junior and Apo. So, no, it's been, been great. You know, I've been playing pretty much since, well, since I got here. And it's been good to be sort of training. Well, I've probably trained more recently than I ever have. You know, even when I was playing grade cricket, you're training twice a week and, you know, around your, around your job and then play on the weekend. But now it's sort of gym training, etc. So I don't know if we'll see a better than ever bowler, but uh, definitely a more experienced one. But yeah, it's going to be going to be cool. I guess we're lucky here that we've got the weather at the moment that's probably very similar to what we're going to get in, in Malaysia. And it's been really good to work under... Chris Laffin and it's always good to be confirmed that you were right um, but I think that all the reasons why he was hired is just sort of come to the fore and now that I'm actually in the team and being coached by him I can see how everybody responds to his his style so yeah if I get on the field there and the 50 over stuff be great and then we've got the T20i series afterwards as well with um, four of the teams staying behind um, to play against Malaysia in a five-team T20i comp too so look it's slightly daunting being that I turned 42 in in March and how important this is for everyone but oh look the definite prevailing emotion is, is, is excitement as a kid growing up and loving loving cricket and now being here and being able to represent Vanuatu is amazing so you never you never know I've just got to decide what to do with this old man who's losing his hair do I shave my head and go Nathan Lyon or do I put a <laughs> Shivanarayan Shandapal type uh, Digicel ad on the back of my head except uh, not under the eyes because that's the bit that will be, be shown more any input there um, there's also quite a few options that I've seen taken up by um, some of our friends UAE and, and, and beyond that uh, were thinning and were wearing caps back to front but now have a, uh, a fresh new rug stitched uh, in yes. so that's I just don't I, I don't have the time to go to Turkey though I, well um, yeah I was, I was about to say Turkish Airways has uh, just opened up a new route to Australia so the option's there <laughs> yeah so I, I, I don't know look if I take you know we'll play three group games which we'll win and then we'll play the three super so we got 650 over games so that's 60 overs I'm going to bowl that's a lot of airtime. so if anyone wants to get in touch about um, my follicle replenishment I did actually funny enough mention it so I was lucky enough to play with Greg Matthews I'm not name dropping here well I guess, I guess but at East when I was um, Melly, just a tiny one. Actually, no, I wasn't. I was still <laughs> still gargantuan. <laughs> but uh, and, and and he was he was amazing as a as a spin bowling mentor and, and mentor in, in general. I've never played with someone who would stay behind a game and mentor coach players from the other side. He would get young spinners from the other team to bowl with him in the in the centre of the wicket afterwards, and he just wanted the game 
to flourish and especially spin bowling. But I was speaking to him a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned my um, challenge in the hair, hair department. He might be able to sort me out with advanced hair. He's still attached to, um, pun intended. Oh, look, it's just cool, huh? To uh, be part of a place and be welcomed and to be uh, welcomed as, you know, to a new home like this and uh, to get out there. And even better if I can make an impact, a, posh, an impact, a positive impact on the match, not just on the ground. <laughs> or on the score sheet for the opposition. There's a, there's a lot going on in that a response. Yes. To, just, just on Greg Matthews, though, famously, he never retired from, uh, from Australian selection. And uh, is he still playing grade cricket? He was actually still playing a, a couple of years back. Uh, I don't think so. I know he's doing a lot of work. Uh, on the player welfare side for the Australian Cricketers Association. I think that's been quite busy. And he's actually working in insurance. <laughs> so he's swapped roles. You know, it's it's where all the great people that are connected with cricket are, are, are created. So it's kind of like worlds colliding, but in, in, in reverse. You're playing international cricket now and he's working insurance. And yeah, that's okay. Exactly. But yeah, and he he is a an example. I'm not saying of absolutely everything, but with his playing, oh, I was always in awe of. No matter what conditions you're playing in, or you know him off the field, on on the field, he's just one of the most fierce competitors, and still one of the most talented players I've played with. The way he could control a game and on the back of controlling the ball. So no, I'm not sure about how long he was still playing and never made himself not available. But um. I think at that stage, just sort of like 43, 44, playing for New South Wales, and he was probably still one of the best spinners in the country. That, and I think that was sort of post Shane Warne, wasn't it? When uh, everybody was wondering what we we're going to do. But uh, yeah, so well, I'm going to be there. And as you say, Daniel, the cat's out the bag. Are any of us else going to be there? Daniel? Daniel? Bueller? By the time this episode goes out, I will know. It's uh, trying to make sure I can get the time off to go to this particular tournament. Uh, Crick clubs have reached out and offered a role as a lead commentator there. It'll depend on, on how it shakes out with work. I do have enough leave set aside for it. It's just a little bit short notice. And to be honest, it wasn't really on my radar to do just because I've just been a little bit burnt out by a lot of different things. And I very much need seven to ten days away from any work or any screen or any form of cricket. And it just looks like I'm going to push that down the, the road a little bit further probably into March but yes hopefully I'll be there with you Timothy watching uh, front and centre and trying not to hold back a sort of mix of pride and laughter I think is probably the, the mix of what it's going to be watching Tim on Interesting from, combination, from, yeah. the, from, the commentary, from the commentary box I'll be waiting for an old man tumble you know to the point where how old do you have to be before it becomes always oh, had a fall instead of always oh, just had a little <laughs> he's had a little tumble <laughs> Cutler's snapped in half <laughs> yeah uh but uh, yeah looking forward to it if it if it happens uh and never been to malaysia either so you know perhaps in the rest days tim i'm not sure if i can tag along with the with the Vanuatu contingent, um, you guys might know the, the lay of the land a little bit better than me and hopefully don't get put up in the Bates Motel like I did in uh, Papua New Guinea because that was a... Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. You're, you're going to be a lot safer this time, Daniel, because there's a certain new newly selected player that uh, has been alcohol-free uh, after <laughs> January 1 and is going to remain so during that event. A top four berth is uh, confirmed. So I think you're going to be okay. You're not going to have any little... No Sydney Thunders in the little, bathroom. No no Pepe Le Pews. No <laughs> up and unders. Oh, so dear, dear. You, you, you're, not, you're not going to be led astray and my uh, my credit card's going to be a lot better off. But, uh, oh, look, I hope that all comes through. I think that the word was that one Bertus de Jong was um, flirting with the idea of being there. Andrew Leonard is uh, being called back to his homeland, Nepal. <laughs> uh, sorry, i got to get the pronunciation right. I just have... I've got to do it in an Irish accent because that's the only way I hear that country's name now is Andrew Leonard screaming it. So <laughs> if he doesn't have a passport of that nation within the next couple of years, I will be flummoxed. Quires, he'll have found a partner and have little Lennies playing for Nepal in uh, 16 years bowling leggies. <laughs> little, legs, little leg spinners. It was good. I actually went back and listened to uh, Lenny's interview with the Beginnings Boys catching up there and it was a great listen as well. Lenny's been at the under-19s World Cup, which we can talk about in, in a moment. But how is he not in every single TV ad at the moment in Nepal? Like, surely that's like the biggest marketing opportunity you've got. You know, fluent English speaker, a public figure in the eyes of, of many in the country now. I mean, 
you're wasting money if you don't throw it at Lenny, right? At this point, surely. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure he'd be a, a passionate uh, endorser of buttery sapana biscuits. So I, I, I think <laughs> <laughs> buttery, buttery taste, buttery sapana. Wow, that that's what was that from? What what tournament? Uh, was that that tri series they had a couple of years ago? Uh, it could well have been. Uh, okay, it wasn't the Everest Premier League when uh, Anchi was bowling. Oh, what a shitter! Um, <laughs> balls that uh, they ended up winning off the last ball. But uh, good cross promotion there, by the way, Daniel. You should run a, pe- a podcast. I think that's uh... oh beginnings. <laughs> oh yes, beginnings, and we'll uh, we'll we'll put the link to that in our show notes. Speaking of cross promotion and podcasting and advertising opportunities, we're still open for advertising opportunities. But uh, I, I think short of short of a real sponsor, you could just put an uh, an emerging cricket sticker on the back of your head there, Tim, and, and that'd uh, get us a lot of views. I think. <laughs> What are the ICC regulations for Challenge League playoffs? I might struggle there with a uh, with having some kind of personal sponsor issue, but you t- I tell you what, they couldn't say no to a tattoo, could they? Mm. Be a commitment to the cause, the uh, circular device, the uh, emerging cricket device, also the uh, English corfball device. So I don't want the two <laughs> to get two to get mixed up, but uh, yeah. I'm glad that you've gone back to my bald spot, Nick. Thanks a lot for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, let's go back to the the team. While we're on the topic, just a couple of the names. Uh, you mentioned the brand new captain, and um, we, we do have Josh Razu stepping in. He's been a senior player for a while. And uh, Ronald Tari is vice-captain. I think that's a, a good move. Yeah, I, I, I've been fortunate to be around this team. And, and yeah, I think I think Tari is a good move as vice-skipper as well. So interesting to see how that shakes out. What was the thinking behind Josh Razu taking over uh, from Patrick, is it because Josh is going to be around more often and, and Patrick is working a lot, or, or was there some sort of other reasons? Put me on the spot now. I'm speaking for the uh, decision. No, no, look, it, I think it really does reflect the two parts about Josh has really come a long way in a, in, a, in a short time with some really good mentors. Josh is also the head coach of the women's team that recently won the regional champs, as we hopefully all know. And um, thanks, everyone, for checking in again to the Vanuatu Cricket Podcast, by the way. But for him to lead the, the women's team as well as he did and how he has applied himself in the last, I'd say, the last year, if not longer, um, to his role and, and life in general has been, been great. And he's come a long way. But from a cricketing point of view, the advantage that he has had is that he's been here working with Chris the entire time that Chris has been here and Chris's approach. And it's not like we're suddenly playing cricket completely differently, but it's a certain way of approaching the game and, and tactics, especially with the bat, that, again, is another step forward. And I think he, um, having been part of that, is going to be best placed to help translate that into on-field performance and leadership. But, of course, we've got so many experienced players out there. There's three former recent captains there in Andrew Mansale, Patrick Matautava and Nala Nipiko that are going to be able to augment that knowledge and and skill on field. I think it's just someone that's able to to steer the ship. But uh, just hoping we can do our best to not have uh, seven seven captains on the field as uh, as can sometimes happen. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a good move. Josh has come a, lo- a long way and I'm looking forward to playing with him and as we know from Josh's talent wise I think he's well I think he's someone that really relishes the the responsibility and will do really well and anyone or any of you two and a half million people out there that have watched his catch on Instagram alone during the Pacific qualifier back in 2022 when DG Beswick and TL Cutler were on the microphone commentating <laughs> you'll hear me screaming what a catch and that's all I could say because I was just so excited and standing up and kicking the table over I oh, know it was the chair that went over uh he, he he is just one of those stupendously talented individuals that just does things that you've never seen before and just going to literally if you watch that again we'll put in the show notes he just kind of throws the ball away and shrugs his shoulders it's kind of like yeah just a just like another another day, you know, some people go to the shop buy milk. He takes a catch, diving over the boundary, and gets back in time um, to take the catch for the batter that had scored forty off about thirteen rocks the day before. And um, Robert's your father's brother. <laughs> I still remember asking him about it a year or two after, and he played it down so much. It's like, oh, no, I didn't think it was that particularly good, to be honest. And I was like, have you seen it? I showed it, showed it to him one more time, I think, while we were sort of at the Holiday Inn. He's like, oh, yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. No, I see it. It looks okay. I, and and something similar. I, I made a, a point into in the my little input into the um, the press release about saying that you know on the back of those 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 views, and I was telling him, yeah, it's at two point three. He goes, oh, okay. Can you send me the link? And that's like, come on, <laughs> yeah. mate. If I've got the link saved, you must have the link saved. <laughs> but I think that might reflect more of his uh, IT abilities rather than his saved. You know, <laughs> I, th- I think I've still got the points in, in, on YouTube videos saved where you know I was bowling in Hong Kong Premier League or where I was bowling, you know, in Fiji that I can go, oh, oh, look, oh, look at the point that it's had in this YouTube video. How? What a what a coincidence, as opposed to. <laughs> not having these things say and that is really annoying he's just done something that 99.9 repeater the pop percent of the population cannot do or could never do no matter how much they train and he just shrugs his shoulders and comes back and it's just another day for him infuriating also an incredibly clean striker of the ball so keep an eye out for that when the tournament happens oh actually while we're on that uh, what, what do you what do you think about this bez tim cutler bowling to Syed Aziz. Oh, no. You've put me on the spot. We are in the same group. Malaysia, Tanzania, Bahrain. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, this I, I need to get to Malaysia just to meet the great man. But we've already met. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good one. Um, oh, look. See, that's a bad matchup for Tim. You know, powerful left-handed batter against mm. left-arm orthodox spinner. That's, it's fascinating if he's deployed in that situation. That might be more of a Simpson Obed problem than Tim Cutler problem. Been working on my arm balls. He'll he'll run past one. <laughs> Looking forward he'll to that. He'll run we'll, past one. We'll clip this in a month's time. <laughs> It'll keep low, and then something will be mixed. Next ball, he'll play outside of it. It'll go through the gate. And it'll just take out. Ah, oh, off in middle. Done. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Tickets, please. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We'll preview that tournament a little bit closer, but as mentioned, the Challenge League playoff is two groups of four, eight-team tournament, and then a Super Sixes. There's no finals in that uh, tournament, is there, Tim? So it's basically first past the post. Yes. Each group of four will have the top the top three go forward. The last place in each group is the only one that sort of drops straight out. Uh, but like a normal Super Six, yeah, you carry only your points against your two fellow sides carrying through. And yeah, as you said, so through each... Well, the best teams will play six matches and points table only, top four, challenge league, uh, bottom four drop back. And if it, and the way that those teams got there was T20I ranking and also having a sufficient 40 plus over structure there as well. As mentioned, that tournament starts on the 22nd of February, runs all the way till the 3rd of March. Uh, yeah, hopefully two-thirds of the uh, podcast platform will be there. We know one of them obviously will be, given that he's playing in it. So looking forward to at least seeing that. And yeah, that's a pretty big tournament in the grand scheme of you know this level of the international game. So uh, the stakes are raised and we hopefully will be providing quite a lot of uh, coverage on that tournament as well. And as you're talking, I just want to point out that when Side Aziz was born, I was playing my first year of men's cricket so uh, <laughs> i don't know what that means good thing or a bad thing but it was born on october 98 and uh, i was playing for the engadine dragons there that's some good intel for some commentary uh, <laughs> i'm sure they'll be listening in, to this when they're in, doing, in their, doing their prep yeah let's move on we talked about the under 19 world cup there briefly with lenny being on the call there uh enjoying his input at the tournament we missed at the time of recording last week we missed nepal's victory over afghanistan which to be honest, is is one of the few, I suppose, real shining lights of what this campaign, this World Cup has been like from an emerging cricket standpoint. We saw uh, three of the associates miss out on qualification for the Super Sixes or the Super Six stage and Nepal were the only teams to go through after beating Afghanistan by one wicket. So we'll talk about that game first and then the, the placement games that are played afterwards. But one of probably the best matches of the tournament, this Nepal winning by a wicket over Afghanistan by chasing the total or the target of 146 down. Uh, they managed to do it in the 45th over. Akash Chand was uh, the player of the match in that particular fixture, taking five for 34 and he's a bright talent considering he brings something a little bit different to the Nepali group bowling seam up and and bowling quite fast but looking at this uh, Nepali campaign they are in the super sixes and there's still some more matches to go from their perspective and we'll probably get to their complete tournament maybe at the end and, and we might you know grab Lenny to talk about all of that as well but it's been an interesting one in terms of say Gulshan Jar being one of the most experienced players at this tournament by virtue of his senior experience. And if anything, he's probably been on the lower half maybe of Nepal's players at this particular tournament. Dev Kanal has stood up as, as captain and chimed in with some important runs. 
uh, in particular that 50 that he made in that victory against Afghanistan. But there have been a few names to, to pop up, the likes of uh, Subash Bandari taking a, a five-wicket haul as well. Uh, it's been an interesting one for the associates. I look to say the Kimberley group where Namibia were, and that was a very tough group not only to be in, but a tough wicket to play on as well. Scotland were a little bit unfortunate in that they did show glimpses, but again, they're in a really tough group. Nepal managed to, to squeeze through on their end and then maybe looking to the USA at some point as well. That probably lacking a little bit in the bat uh, for this particular tournament. But I'm not sure what the the exact question is for you here, Nick, but maybe starting with Nepal, they've been, I suppose, carrying the torch of, of the associates here at this tournament. Yeah, great win for Nepal. Basically the most Nepal win ever. They looked like they were in a pretty convincing position and then they just <laughs> they just kept losing wickets and they very nearly lost it. Uh, yeah, nine down absolute thriller you know just vintage vintage nepal um but yeah fantastic match probably yeah as you said the best match of the tournament so far dev canal as you say that half century sort of the glue in in the chase against afghanistan other than that yeah the batting has been just a little bit lacking i, I mean this is you know a recurring issue for N- nepal the, the batting yeah i mean arjun kumal did hit 90 against new zealand but not a whole lot else and they just haven't been able to put up uh, strong totals throughout the tournament and yeah other than that match against Afghanistan it's it's showed uh, do we know if Subash Bandari is any relation to Binod I, I doubt it there's just there's that many common last names in Nepal there's probably okay well yeah impressive five wicket haul against uh, Bangladesh um, he's he's been one of their better bowlers and yeah as, as you say Chand as well uh, against Afghanistan with with the five wickets there as well um, I, yeah, I'm not sure what the story is with Gulshan Jar. He, he's been very disappointing. Only three wickets in the whole tournament so far. He's bowled the second most overs of any Nepali bowler, but has, yeah, looked very out of sorts. Um, not particularly economical, not taking wickets, just hasn't really been threatening at all, um, which, you know, you would expect senior players like Jar to be stepping up, but, uh, yeah, just, just not, not showing up, but, you know, on on the flip side, the fact that there are other bowlers taking wickets uh, and you know bags of wickets like Bandari and Chand is is pretty uh, encouraging for Nepal's future bowling stocks as well. Yeah, looking to say Scotland, they edged Namibia in their placement game uh, at the time of recording uh, in a three-run win. Jamie Dunk equal top scoring with seventy-six. Bahada Ezekiel also making seventy-six, albeit at a much quicker. Strike rate. He was player of the match in that victory over Namibia as well. He also bowled a little bit, didn't take a wicket. But looking at uh, maybe Scotland now, Jamie Dunk is almost senior international ready by the looks of things. The way he stepped up against uh, a lot of top quality attacks, made a, I think it was 90 against South Africa and looked at home. It was not quite three figures, but it was everything. But in the mould of a kind of Kane Williamson, I'm not sure if it's just the arm guard that he bats with, but he looks very busy and bats in the style of of Kane Williamson. And he's been great to watch. A couple of other guys have stepped up. Uh, Owen Gould, who's or who can keep and, and captains the team as well, uh, has looked good in, in patches as well. Uh, they've got a few good players. Addy Hegday looks uh, a talent as well. There's certainly a number of names in that Scotland lineup, and again, Nick, just looking maybe to their senior squad, they're in an interesting time. You know, they've lost a couple of players in the last few years. You know, the McLeods and the Kurtzes of the world, but also someone like Tom McIntosh, who was part of the under 19 system a couple of cycles back, who's, you know, given up not only Scottish cricket, but uh, county cricket as well. So, there is a little bit of a want, I think, from Scottish circles for a number of these guys to step up. What did you make of, of them in, in that victory against the Namibia side? We'll probably talk about a little bit more in a second. Uh, yeah, Esekiel's uh, 70-odd not out of very few deliveries <laughs> was was an impressive knock in that match. Um, I, I think, yeah, as, as you refer to, Jamie Dunk looks the goods. He, he's, he's obviously a quality player. Uh, I agree. I think the Kane Williamson comparison is a good one. Yeah, just that kind of very technically correct, very compact look. Um, you know, he, he sort of just cruises to 30 before you notice. And I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> often throughout this tournament, he's, he's been sort of two or three wickets down 
by the time that's that's happened. But yeah, looks like the kind of guy who can come in and start to fill the void left by you know senior guys like a uh, Kotsa and McLeod, but also you know uh, the fact that a young talent like Macintosh has has left the system uh, to well, <laughs> I was gonna say to get a real job. I mean, is cricket a real job? I don't know. I guess probably not if if you're um, pursuing other avenues for employment. It's not like there's a CEO of uh, an international board currently in this conversation. Present. <laughs> Definite career. I'll get into associate cricket if you want money. Absolutely. That's where the dollars are. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah, that that is definitely an issue. But um, yeah, you, you allude to Owen Gould as well, the, the keeper bat. He looked very impressive against South Africa, uh, hitting uh, over a runnable 90-odd and yeah, a bunch of sixes. And also just feeling that, you know, looking ahead, Matthew Cross is not getting any younger, you know, so you know, maybe looking down the track, someone like an Owen Gould could start to be blooded into the team and, and maybe build up a bit of experience uh, because, yeah, I mean, Cross has been a great servant of Scottish cricket for a, a long time and I don't think he has any plans to retire anytime soon, but, you know, he's, he's definitely getting to the back end of his career and um, someone like Gould seems like a, a good option to maybe try and replace him. Namibia now the team that just fell to Scotland in that placement game overnight at the time of recording uh lacked a little bit with the bat over the course of the tournament in fairness they played in that Kimberley group where the pitch was a dog's breakfast for anyone batting uh and scores were low I think I checked during the group stage that the batting average for every single player on the Kimberley surface was about 11 and every other group's venue was at least 20 or above so just goes to show how tough it was for some of the batting although it's worth noting that this placement game was actually in Benoni after their entire group was in Kimberley and they were able to, to showcase a little bit more with what they can do with the bat making 2-4-8 in a chase of 2-5-1 so I think the low scores in that Kimberley group should be taken with a pinch of salt. As disappointed as, as Gerard Janssen van Rensburg and maybe Alex Volskenk are with their batting performances over the course of the tournament, it's probably definitely one to take with, with a grain of salt. But looking at this particular fixture, you know, they fell three runs short, chasing down 2-5-1 with uh, Zachiel van Vieren uh, making that 86, anchoring the innings. He's had a good tournament on a personal front, taking wickets. He took a four-wicket haul, made some runs when his team needed him. A few bright talents in this Namibian side that I think we'll see play a little bit more senior cricket in, in the next little bit. Jack Brassel, I thought, was excellent throughout the tournament. I thought Bardenhorst, too, is someone that is a raw talent that, that could well play international cricket sooner rather than later. But yeah, it's tough on, on Namibia playing in that Kimberley group where the scores were so poor for everyone involved with, with the bat and the wicket that they played on. But the placement game, I think, showed that they've got a little bit more about themselves. Yeah, I think looking at the Namibian performances, they were definitely disappointing. Um, the batting, maybe you can't read too much into it. The the pitch was, as as you say, um, you know, very tough to bat on. Some, yeah, maybe you would expect guys like uh, Van Rensburg, who does have senior experience, to have stood up a bit more. But again, you know, on on a dodgy deck, it's it's kind of hard to expect too much. Um, I I definitely agree. The the bowling. Uh, has been the strength. Yeah, I mean, they had Australia in trouble. Um, they bowled out Sri Lanka. Um, so, you know, they did show a bit uh, with the ball. Brassel and and actually Junior Carriata as well. The, the two of them were a very, very effective, very tidy opening combination. Um, both of them going at only a smidge over three runs and over. And, you know, a bunch of the other bowlers uh, were, were in sort of um, four or five territory. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting uh, little opening combo. Uh, yeah, Brassel and Carriata. I wonder how many games uh, we'll be seeing from them uh, in the senior team going forward, but uh, yeah, I, I think the bowling there's there's a lot to a lot to like about that. Uh, Zachary Van Furen, as you as you allude to, took a decent amount of wickets and hit a 80 odd in that in that match against Scotland. So he's he's definitely a talent as well. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, the, the next generation coming through with, with his dad, obviously, uh, Rudy having played a lot for for Namibia back in the day. But yeah, just you just sort of hope. They, they would have maybe done a bit better and, and put together a, a win out of being in, in a decent position a couple of times. But, you know, on, on the other hand, that's also kind of what, you know, what the tournament's about. It, it, it's about gathering experience in these sorts of things and it, it should set them in good stead. We'll wrap Nepal's campaign on, on next week's show, given that they're still featuring in Super 6 matches too, although they cannot qualify for the semifinals. Actually, it might be worth bringing that up because the format sort of made it almost impossible even after them 
progressing to the Super Sixes with no carryover points. And then I think on the first, say, two days of the Super Sixes, there were wins for teams in their group to the point where they actually couldn't chase anyone down and, and make the semifinals. Do you think, I'm interested to get your take on it, Nick, you know, someone looking from the outside in that format, you understand why they're accumulating points and it's a case of points that you bring into that Super Six group because there are other progressing teams and you played against them and you're playing your opponents. But it must be a tough pill to swallow knowing that you've made the Super Sixes only to not really ever find yourself in a position where you can qualify for the next round anyway. Well, yeah, it does seem a bit pointless to have a team qualify to the Super Six and then be eliminated through other results before they even play a match. Like, I, I just, yeah, it, it seems a very strange system. We've talked about the, the structure of this in the past. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why they changed the previous structure, which was very good. They're not even, I don't know, they're making it about five matches shorter, which is not a whole lot. Yeah, and it's it's also just incredibly convoluted because uh, as as well as the situation that you mentioned with Nepal, you know, you've, you've got this stuff with teams in the group uh, from the it's it's basically it's a super 12s because you've got two lots of six teams and you you've got this uh, you know formula of teams playing each other and not playing each other and yeah it's it's just unfortunate that you can have a situation where a team is eliminated through no fault of their own and it doesn't make sense to me that they changed you know something that was working pretty well yeah once again we'll we'll look at Nepal's campaign uh, in full next week once the Super 6 stage is over uh, at the Under-19 World Cup. Let's move on to the 2024 ACC Men's Challenger Cup being held in Thailand. And after the qualifier, it's uh, a case of two groups of four. We saw in the qualifier that it was Cambodia to progress to the next stage. And that throws up uh, an intriguing prospect facing uh, Indonesia on the 3rd of February. Fans of the emerging game will know that those two teams have some bad blood and if you haven't sort of come across that make sure to sort of uh, have a little google just to find out what's uh, transpired in uh, in previous fixtures but first i think it's worth bringing up the acc the asian cricket council has expanded and included japan and indonesia as uh, proper members of the group rather than just teams that have been invited for previous tournaments tim you've worked in this region of cricket previously in Hong Kong and I assume being part of the Asian Cricket Council as well, Hong Kong in that time. So what is that like in terms of how that operates and how it helps uh, members in the region as opposed to, you know, the complete differentiation between that and say the Asia arm of, of the ICC? What does that benefit in terms of Japan and Indonesia joining the ACC? Well, there's a few different perspectives of, of looking at this. I think the ACC is the gold standard for a regional body that sits outside the ICC because of the amount of cricket that they play, um, especially with underage and emerging events. Um, the advantage, though, that Asia has is they have five full members. So when they run the Asia Cup, they are able to leverage the strength of that when they go off and get TV rights and get the well, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions for that particular event, which then basically pays for all of this. So as far as I'm aware, countries still pay a small fee or maybe flights. It's not as heavily covered as ICC events for those ICC sorry for those ACC events that Japan Indonesia had been playing in I think will continue to be so I'm not 100% sure these days what the funding model is throughout that I know way back when the ICC used to hand literally half of the development grant money to the ACC to distribute to Asian members and that was how the funding was done but since then with censuses and scorecards and tournament grants that's that's all changed in the last decade so the actual advantage that these two countries will two members will see off the bat will see them get see at the table and a vote where they i guess they were only observing beforehand but yeah the acc only runs those sort of regional events rather than anything that leads towards icc tournaments um, and so that's where the icc asia office is I think it might be one or one and a half or two two people that help run the events um, where the ACC does really take a, a leading role there. So this is good for Japan and Indonesia. You know, we've talked about the Pacific Cup in the past in our East Asia Pacific region, and, and that excludes those nations despite them being 
on the Pacific. You know, it's very much sort of a Pacific Island sort of focused thing. So I sort of see this as a, a good split for them to still have access to sort of other, other tournaments, albeit a lot more heavily subsidised and then potential access of playing against some, some really big nations. But I think the, the questions that really does start to pose um, is the, well, just to add to the list of questions of whether the, the regions are, are fit for purpose at the moment. I know we've seen Bertus tweet about this but it's pretty tough to look at the number of countries in the asian region and relevant rankings across men's i'm talking about men's and women's cricket here versus east asia pacific and a number of spots trying to get that right is such a hard one so i just wonder whether it's a a time for us to take another look say we as a game uh, to look at those regions um because i know that if i was sitting in asia right now and let's forget the japan indonesia piece but I'd, i'd be saying she's only two spots out of our region for particular events or if we're talking about under-19s, only one, um, where other regions that have fewer members and lower rankings uh, aren't. So, yeah, it's an, an in- interesting one. And I guess as we're mentioning Japan and Indonesia, in, uh, Japan also confirmed their exciting news that Mizuno will come on board as, a, as an apparel yes. sponsor and, and beyond. And I, I, I mention this for many reasons because... I'd, Alex is a, a friend and I want them to do very well. But um, Emerging Cricket almost ousted this news a few months ago in, a, in, a, in an interview when we had a, a, a very panicked CEO, Alex Miyagi of Japan, contact us direct and say, can you please delete that from the interview? Because uh, we don't want, it hasn't been signed yet and this could scare them off and it could put things in, in, in jeopardy. So it wasn't quite a shoplifting moment, I think, for Alex in Japan and the potential destruction of all things cricket that ever existed in, in the country. But Anyway, we, um, I don't think it was a, a key news item at the, the time that, and we were happy to delete it. But uh, I'm very excited to hear Japan talk at the recent EAP conference we had in Auckland about how exciting Olympic inclusion is for them. And there are some large numbers being talked about um, in terms of partnership opportunities with particular Japanese brands that if they come off, we'll see Japan one of the, the, the better funded ICC associate that uh, from a non-ICC income perspective which again just shows how much cricket needed the Olympics I think anybody that says that cricket didn't need the Olympics you know really just needs to take it take time to sort of do a bit of research in these nations and and find out how much of a positive impact it will have so that is great from a a Japan point of view and then Indonesia's been kicking goals I think ever since Nick interviewed Abinash on the sidelines in Dust Marinas back in 2018 the first Mm. emerging cricket podcast with um, them talking about wanting to become a a test nation in X years I think it might have been 10 years at the time I guess from you know we talk about test cricket versus full membership till the cows come home but seeing the participation numbers that the they have now the tens of thousands playing the game and it's not just a Bali focused game anymore and it's a real cross-cultural pursuit as well we're breaking down a few barriers there that um, it's good to see them continue to kick goals if i see alan kerr rocking a new pair of mizunos the next time i see him i'm i'm gonna be a very happy man just (laughs) quietly i'm just putting two and two together here emerging cricket needs some kit emerging cricket therefore need a kit sponsor ipso facto mizuno times emerging cricket partnership when <laughs> we need some new merch who are you talking to Dan? are you talking to us or are you talking to i think i'm talking to the general population alan and sure. alex and well you know just putting it out into the ether and uh hoping for the best okay yes yeah, so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, we, we are envisaging a manifest no um alex had some amazing bright shirts uh, at the auckland conference and one of them he called his uncomfortable shirt which is a very bright orange almost pinky fluoro shirt and no prizes for guessing who the one person was to prize one of them not off him but uh from him it was one lifetime member life president of vanuatu cricket association mark stafford well that's why you keep him around huh uh, that's a nice shirt isn't it no 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 there's mark stafford sitting in a jca shirt in the in the end of conference like get together i'm there wearing a funnily enough a vanuatu polo but uh yeah some uh, some good stash there from a an established brand so japan cricket get around us yes lovely shirt that i might wear one of those shirts oh he didn't <laughs> stop either oh that looks nice you must have a spare one you oh. must have, that looks nice that looks nice <laughs> but seeing how he's been able to get the ground here and sponsors and trust set up uh you know it 
the uh, tactic obviously works and it got him in a new shirt this time. Uh, the Challenger Cup, we see that the two groups are ready to go. Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, Bhutan and Cambodia, Group A. Group B, Japan, the Maldives, Singapore, Thailand. There was also a qualifier which Cambodia came through, as we mentioned, at the top of the point. But did want to mention a, a significant moment in Chinese T20 international cricket. We saw their first uh, half-century maker and their first five-wicket haul taker, uh, Wei Guolei, making 70 off 61 against Myanmar and Ma Chan Cheng taking five for nine off his four overs against uh, Myanmar as well. If you go back and uh, the highlights are on YouTube of that particular game and the other particular highlight for me was uh, Tain Sen Chun, one of the opening bowlers for China. First ball, play and miss, swinging the ball away, decent pace, it looked as, as if as well. And Tim Cutler, you would have been impressed by the bowler's reaction. It was like a staunching sort of like approach and stare into the batter's eyes. I, I thought it was... Yeah, put his arms out. Like it's like a, a flex a, almost. Just muscle kind of pose. Yeah, as if he was peacocking, but it was it, it's brilliant vision. So if, <laughs> if you get a chance to watch it, go and find it. Yeah, and just underlining that um, you, you mentioned the qualifier. It was a little sort of play-in group with Cambodia, Myanmar and China. Uh, Cambodia came through that with two wins. Um, so yeah, both, both of them pretty convincing. So yeah, uh, I think this level of the game the challenger cup being bedded in it's it's a relatively new uh innovation from the acc um this kind of level of cricket is probably where a team like japan and indonesia i I don't want to say belong because obviously they have they have ambitions to you know move up the ladder but the fact that there is kind of a second tier uh, of asian cricket and there's basically more cricket being played both at a senior and junior level and and of course over on the women's side as well that is why you know why we're so impressed with the ACC and and the fact that they're running these tournaments but also I think that's why it's so good for Japan and uh and Indonesia to be involved in this because you know having a guaranteed pathway where they can get consistent cricket against good opposition at their level and you know obviously if they play well they'll, they'll play better teams you know that that sort of uh, filling out the calendar and giving them something that you know they, they keep getting better that's just good for for their development and and once again just on the point of i guess asia versus uh, East Asia Pacific regions, Indonesia and Japan have kind of got the best of both worlds here in the sense that they're 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 qualifying to ICC events through EAP and and they're playing against teams that are you know basically more at their level and they've still got the the sort of uh, regular cricket from the ACC side of things because. There isn't that much uh, ICC cricket being played uh, in East Asia Pacific, and it is sort of tournaments like the Pacific Cup that that um, you know you mentioned there, Tim. Yeah, so good move all around. Credit to the ACC for bringing Japan and Indonesia on board, and I guess <laughs> while while we're on the topic of the ACC, um, there's been some interesting rumours floated that Jay Shah is going to be um, put forward for the ICC chairmanship. Now, he's already uh, working very hard, I'm sure, at the BCCI and the ACC. Now he's trying to go and uh, be running the ICC as well. I mean, Tim, you run one cricket board and you seem pretty busy. I, I don't know, how does this bloke have time to be running the ICC, the ACC and the BCCI, the biggest board in cricket? Well, it's... My, my tongue and cheek are uh, really flirting with each other at the moment. It's a tough one to answer. Um, <laughs> bit of a bit of a leading question, maybe. Very, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what we must remember is that the ICC chair position is an independent position. So anybody that is nominated for such, or at least is accepted, will have no other position on any other cricket board. Um, national cricket board I'm not sure about regional board so if Jay Shah was to become or anyone was to become an ICC chair they would need to relinquish any and all responsibilities with a national cricket federation so if that was to be the case I'm guessing the plan is for him to stop in his role as general secretary or secretary general his role at BCCI to move across as we saw with Greg Barclay when he resigned from the board of New Zealand cricket to become the ICC chair. And that was also another point from the EAP conference. Greg, you know, luckily being in New Zealand was available easily to come and um, speak to us. And it was a really good session with him about various 
good things and challenges that cricket has on on the horizon which was appreciated by everybody in the room but yeah that that would be an interesting one you know i think we can all acknowledge that india the amount of power um that india has you know with the the sheer volume of, of money they're able to generate from interest in their region and the positive impact this could have on on the game if used uh, wisely wide uh, not least to mention how it could absolutely revolutionize women's sport around the world about making cricket and uh, the most popular sport for girls and women could be uh, within something could, could be done within a decade but I guess we will just have to to wait and see what what happens there as we sort of see franchise creep Jesus it's going to feel like a whole other podcast as opposed as to us wrapping off this one but you know we see yeah franchise event creep especially the IPL looking at being potentially replicated um, we see the potential of Saudi Arabia's interest in cricket which looking like the only way they're going to be able to do that with India's blessing is in partnership with the BCCI and that's that's two big monsters with big pots of money um, I don't mean the sort of biblical monster I just mean sort of how, how big they are in the context of the the rest of the world when it comes to available funds so yeah it's a it's an interesting time on one hand we've got cricket being streamed and exposure better than ever before ICC TV notwithstanding we've got bigger world cups um, hopefully news coming soon about bigger women's world cups we've got cricket in the Olympics but then on the flip side, we've got the sort of changing of the guard, the international cricket versus franchise cricket and who owns those franchises and the people that benefit from it. So it's an interesting time and it'd be, well, to hear what the plans would be because you'd like to think someone in an independent chair point of view would come with a with an agenda or at least with policies and, and a vision of what the game could be. So it'd be interesting to hear what that would come from from Jay if he is indeed running for that position. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm always a bit suspicious of when a chair sort of uh, immediately jumps from working for one board and then moves straight away to the supposedly independent ICC chair where, you know, there there are often sort of conflicts of interest in the sense that, you know, what's good for the international game, which is theoretically the, the role of the ICC, isn't necessarily what's good for the board that you've just been working for. So, I, I don't know, maybe some cooling off periods or, or something along those lines m- might be in order, but uh, you know, I guess that's that's a, a bit of a different topic. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the cynic might say that uh, Jay Shah moving to run the ICC is kind of... Um, <laughs> uh, uh, formalising what, what's already happening. I, I think that's how... Um, how Andrew Nixon put it, but uh, yeah, I, I think it is just uh, kind of a, a sign of the times in, in the sense that this is where the, the power in cricket is and, you know, the, the power in the ACC, even within that organisation and, of course, uh, the ICC uh, of the whole of the world cricket. So keep an eye on it, but uh, yeah, not not super surprising that something like this is, is happening, I guess. Yeah, look, I'll just close that, that chapter with just agreeing with your, your point about um, stand down periods and I think that is something that you'd like to think were, was spoken about or at least is on the on the cards when the ICC moved for the first time to an independent chair to having an independent chair which Greg Barclay is the first of and it's understandable perhaps that you would have someone that did step directly out of a chair but then to have someone who has not held a, a position for a minimum time if you truly want an independent chair but yeah I think as you say that's uh, getting on to, to, to other points that's all we've got time for this week on the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Once again, a huge thank you to Tim and Nick joining me, Daniel Beswick, this week on the Emerging Cricket Podcast. For more, log on to emergingcricket.com. Make sure to give us a follow wherever you are around on social media. Enjoy this week's action in the Emerging Game, and we'll speak to you next week.